Welcome to the Sisters of Industry, a weekly podcast where a shared bloodline combined with divergent professional experiences set the stage for great conversation on doing work that matters. With Laura's global corporate experience and Jen's nonprofit startup experience, the sisters will provide you with insights that can be used to help you lead and work better starting now. We're here to make you laugh, make you think, and make you more industrious in your professional and personal life. and I love Pride and Prejudice. Go ahead, say what you will. I know this makes me one of those women, and I just don't care. It's funny, it is smart, it is engaging, and if loving it is wrong, I don't want to be right. Some books are just so darn good, you have to talk about them. And today, we are devoting an entire episode to a chat about James Clear's book, Atomic Habits, because it is just that good and it is the perfect capstone to our habits series new year new habits let's go jen i've been looking forward to this discussion about atomic habits for a long time i read the book months and months and months ago um, and i know i've been pushing others to do the same over time and i know this is a book that's even talked about a lot a lot of podcasters a lot of folks on instagram a lot of folks um, out and about in the world that are talking about this being one of the best books they've read in the last year or two and i think this is a case where the book truly lives up to the hype now i've been pushing you on this one and i know you're a more recent reader Did it hit the hype or do you just want to like reach through the mic and smack me a little? No, it really did. And, you know, there's plenty of books everybody talks about that you you get to and you go, what was the hype? And this was not that. I read it and I was so glad I read it and it brought a lot of things into perspective. And I will also say, just for the sake of solidarity, that I have already recommended it to a few people. So I'm now on the flip side of the page telling everyone that they should read it. So starting with my husband who promises to read the audiobook soon <laughs> uh well there that's good i think this one i think would be hard to audiobook because there's something about leaning into the words but however you get it i think it's good to go so let's dive right in and jen i'm just going to ask you a very simple question to get our conversation started mm-hmm. stepping back from this book what is the one thing that just little light bulb in your brain is there one thing that just stands out let's start there I think the thing that stands out the most is, and this is just going to be one of the most obvious takeaways, is the difference between systems and goals. I have always been a goals person, and you and I even spent our last episode talking about goals. And he does a really nice job bringing into perspective the fact that, you know, we can't just rise to the level of our goals. We're going to fail at the level of our systems. And it's interesting because I did feel at first that he was working really hard to say that he wasn't anti-goal, but then he made a really strong argument for why goals aren't always our friend at all. And so I still think in the end, there's room for goals, 
But the big takeaway for me is that we need to not get caught up on where we're heading and miss the, nope, we have to build a system that connects to our identity. So I have to agree with you. That's a really huge takeaway that we're going to continue to build on in this discussion. But just that step back, and I'm so glad we're talking about this as we're all refining and kind of prepping and getting comfortable with our 2021 objectives, right? Mm -hmm. And this whole point that... A goal is only that. It's kind of that big, big, hairy, audacious goal is the phrase from a book long ago, mm -hmm. um, long ago being like 15 years. <laughs> let's be serious. But, you know, that was a phrase that um, the BHG was a big deal. And I think that um, goals are important, like you said, but I love the way clear in this book makes it clear. I'm going to just do that once. Now I've done it. Um, clear makes it very clear that the b way you're going to find success is incremental small things that build upon one another that choice that you make that adds a cumulative effect to bring you to success which is why it's so important to step away from goals it is one thing to say i am going to lose 50 pounds but if you don't develop a system that helps you get to that goal a system that is built on habits and we're going to get into what makes up these really good habits according to clear and those eye openers here in a moment right if that system founded on habits is not in place that goal becomes almost impossible to achieve um, or certainly very very painful and one that you're probably going to have a lot of starts and stops along the way so i have to agree with you jen this whole concept is so important and when i was thinking about it i thought to myself that there is a um there's a workplace analogy to this that really strikes me that i thought would be worth discussing with our listeners and it's this a lot of times when people come to me for coaching or you know to have that how'd you get to where you are in your career discussion or you know i want to make some choices a lot of times people have this objective and it's, you know, I want to get promoted. I want to be in leadership in a company, right? And I think this is a, that's a really good place to take what Clear talks about. And he, most of his book, he applies to more of our personal lives. But here, there's a case where you say in your career, in your leadership journey, I want to be a leader. I want to be promoted. And people get so caught up with that goal that they lose sight of the little incremental things along the way that actually make your career stand out and move forward. And it's the things like the system you use to organize, doing what you say you're going to do, having measurement systems in place, making sure that you enjoy the work you're doing, all of those little things that play into what Clear is talking about that makes good habits. When those things come together, people find themselves advancing in their career and finding success, whether that's measured in the sales you have in your personal business, the promotion, the listeners, whatever that might be, success adds up incrementally. It isn't It isn't just this, bam, I'm going big and I go. Because guess what? As those incremental things build, usually the path to your big goal never looks like how you expected it. So a little bit of a rant for me, but I think that's just a huge place that this book just blows the cover off for me. No, I think that's really important because, again, if someone's asking you, how did you get where you are? Sure, there's some big transformational moments that we can point to, but the truth is, it is the pieces over time. And that was another one of my big takeaways from this book is it's not the you know the habit that I adopt overnight it's the consistency of change over time and being mm -hmm. able to carry it through and I love this you use you have used the word incremental now several times and I'll bring it back to clear's verbiage of the one percent changes 
And I really love that too, because I'll be honest, I picked up the book and even after hearing you talk about it for a while, my visual for when I heard atomic habits is, you know, I think atomic bomb. I think something that's massive and explosive. And he breaks down the idea that the atom is actually the smallest component. And atomic habits are those tiny changes, the 1%. I loved his cycling illustration early on of the British cycling team. And again, all the caveats of what happened <laughs> since. But he talks about the fact that they came in and they made these almost changes you wouldn't even see from the outside. But as they consistently did those little things differently over time, it made a really big difference. And as someone who is so prone to what's the quickest path to success and achievement, I think he, he really helped me back up and see what are the more consistent and constant things that I can do. I like that. Very well said. So Jen, we've really kind of leaned here on some key takeaways that are, you know, these small habits make the big difference with their compounding impact. Um, the 1% rule, as you just hit on the concept of focusing on systems as opposed to the big goal. How do you get good habitual underlying systems in place that help work you towards a big goal? There's one more key takeaway that I'd like to point to before we dig a little bit more into the habit loop and the way clear breaks it down. And it's that Really good habits and baseline habits are built when you focus on your identity and not necessarily the outcome or the goal, again, to use the same word. When you work on identity as opposed to outcome, you're more prone to be successful. And I really, really appreciated that Clear went into this. In fact, I will tell our listeners personally that when I read this book some months ago, I reworked how I was approaching some of my health habits for 2020 in that goal that I had that was very much based on losing weight. And what I started to really think about is who do I want to be? And I realized, and these things might sound, um, they might sound silly. I wanted to be a good example for my kids. And I wanted to be that person who could go for a jog with her sister or with her friends or with her mom. I wanted my identity to be one of somebody who was healthy and able to be on the go at a moment's notice. And as I started to really zero in on that identity portion of what I was doing, it suddenly made all the work, those habits that I needed to form form, excuse me, like putting on the sneakers every day to get out and move my 10,000 steps or whatever the day called for, right? Mm -hmm. Making the time to make good food choices, eating more whole foods and less processed foods, right? Those things almost became secondary, even though they were those critical incremental habits. So I really liked that Clear made me stop and say, before you even start to talk about what habits do I want that are going to build to this outcome I'm hoping to achieve. Let's think about who you want to be and why you want to do these things. And I think that was a really smart interpretation of the whole what's your why for doing things that we talk about a lot, but I love this interpretation and the practicality of this. Yeah, this is the first talking point that I went to my husband with as I was reading it, that idea of there's a difference between I'm going to run and I want to be a runner. And again, that's not me throwing running in. Clear uses that example. So sorry. It's just a, a, right there. But if I take that into the leadership professional realm for me, what it made me think about is the fact that I want to be a steady leader. And he talks several times about the fact that sometimes when we move to the doing versus being, 
we can get caught in the constant change and the shifting motivations and the what's new that's going to keep me interested. And so for me, that definitely called me out a little bit. And I can, I'm someone who actually can pick up a new discipline pretty quickly and adhere to it. But if I'm, if I keep switching disciplines, that's equally disconcerting. And so for me, one of the things it walked me into for this year is I want to be not just steady. I I want to be a steady person, a steady leader, Um, someone that people can have an expectation of that's a little more constant. And so, but seeing that as an identity is so much different than just saying, here's a couple behaviors I'm going to take on. And I think that really is going to play into some things we're going to talk about in the future, because a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is how do you lead? How do you get better results? Um, How do you motivate a team? But in the end, what a lot of us don't spend time with is really breaking down the who do I want to be? Um, We talk about the why, but again, the who do I want to be? And I think that is so personal that it carries an exponential power when we start to think about how to make these habits stick. And that's me going off on my own. That's not exactly how clear places it, but that's how I start to interpret that as I really analyze this. So I really like the idea of focusing on identity, thinking about who you are, what you want to be before you get too deep into what are the habits that build it. Now, having said all that, we do Atomic Habits, a amazingly in Britain and engaging book, a disservice mm-hmm. if we don't talk about the four laws that James Clear lies out or lays out. Excuse me. There you go. My grammar flub <laughs> of the day. Everybody love it. If we do not um, cover these four laws, we're not doing the book a service. So I do want to go through it. James spends time. I'm not calling him James because, you know, BFFs. we've been texting yeah. earlier. BFFing. Yeah. Um, You know, he uses the habit loop that a lot of us are familiar with. We've even talked about it throughout this habit series where we talk about the cue, establishing a craving, um, a habit being the response to those things, and then making sure there's a reward in place, right? We've talked Mm -hmm. about that loop. A lot of different authors approach it. Clear turns it into four laws. The first of which being that cue, part of what's really important when starting to build a habit is to make the cue obvious. And I think this is really great right out of the gate. This cannot be a cue that you are searching for or even a have to manufacture that starts to put the habit loop into process. It needs to be something that is completely obvious, right? So if you want to build this habit, if you want to brush your teeth every day, the toothbrush needs to be out at the ready. And if any of you are still working on that habit, let's have a talk later. But it's a really quick example, right? Brushing your teeth every day, Put the toothbrush on the counter. Mm -hmm. This is the one that when I was reading it, my first go-to was I need to rearrange my refrigerator because he talks about the fact that we are so geared toward our our visual perceptors are our highest level. And so what we see becomes what we want. And so those cues, when you walk into the kitchen, and Laura knows this firsthand, she was just here over Christmas, is that because of size and everything else, we tend to put all of the chips and snacky snack type stuff on top of our refrigerator, which makes it way more visible than the stuff that gets tucked away in vegetable drawers and deeper in a pantry. And so I haven't done it yet. I will I will own that. I have not put the system in place. But in terms of a cue, he talked about just putting the bowl of apples on the counter instead of deep in the drawer so that it's just, it's obvious. It's sitting right there in front of you. 
It's so very true, I'll tell you. And we do have the fruit bowl in the middle of our counter in our kitchen, which works really well. And even with the kids, right? You're hungry, have an apple, If you're, which goes to the old adage, right? If you're really hungry, ask yourself, do I want an apple? Um, and it really tells you whether or not you're hungry. But so if somebody can figure out how to make the veggies really obvious to me when I go in the fridge, that would be very helpful. I will give you my personal phone number at the end of the episode so you can call and give me tips on that one. Um, because it actually does make me think, like one of the things I started doing was lining up the ready-made protein shakes right on the door. They're right there ready to grab as opposed to some of the other junk I can go in and grab. So number th one in this habit loop, make it obvious what you're trying to obtain. Um, and let's also acknowledge the converse. If you're trying to break a habit, something we talked about last time, make it define the habit, make it invisible. Mm -hmm. That goes right along with hide the chocolate. If you're trying to break the habit of eating chocolate, hide it. Better yet, don't even buy it. I love the saying that the diets are made, are made or broken in the grocery store, not the pantry, right? Don't even buy it. Yeah. Make it hard to see. And that's what, and to go to a, a non-food illustration, um, I have not yet made it to the point where my phone is not in my bedroom. And I know a lot of people swear by that. And I think that's probably true. But I did move mine from directly at my bedside where I would grab it and immediately turn my alarm off and open Instagram in the morning <laughs> to where my phone sits on the floor and I have to get out of bed. Now, I don't have an alarm issue, but by virtue of the fact that I get up before I touch it means I'm already in motion and I don't stop to waste time or to just, you know, scroll through something else before doing something active. And it just you know, immediately broke that habit because it was invisible. It wasn't right there. I couldn't grab it while I was still lying down. Yeah, which is a really, really great example that I don't want to discuss any further because I'm just not there yet. I got to get myself there. I got to create the identity where I want to be the person that doesn't open her phone until I sit down to work at 9 a.m. or something. 9 a.m., ha. Huh? That's hilarious. Yeah, that is funny. Okay, right. let's get to the second part of the habit loop, So, which is law number two for clear. And this is where we talk about cravings historically. Um, clear refers to this as make it attractive. Mm -hmm. So in order for you to really build a solid habit, not only do you need to know your why, as we talked about, but it needs to actually be something you enjoy at least on some level you need to see some level of enjoyment here it needs to be in some way attractive jen this one kind of blows my mind a little because sometimes we think about habits as how do i make myself do the thing that is awful yeah. and he's really saying that to be successful you need to acknowledge that the habit in some way has to be attractive right you have to play to your strengths and i love that because yes i mean we all have to make some healthy discipline choices in our life and they might not all be because they're attractive but I think he does a really nice job of saying, even if we're going to talk about an identity that we want to grow, let's not discount who you are. Find the things you love. Find your lane or create your lane, but play to your strengths because then you're actually going to see that long-term success. I thought that was really important. Really important, really good. It reminds me of an episode that we did that I'll put in the show notes early in season one, where we talk specifically about running the running your own race, right? Mm -hmm. We often get frustrated because we look up and we realize we aren't where we intended to be because we're not even run running the race we intended to enter. We've gotten pulled into a different one. And I think this is just so important. But in order to be successful, we need to make that habit 
attractive, which even means if it comes to like the habit of taking the time to clear your desk, like one of the ones that I love is starting the workday with a clean desk, not coming into an already scattered place. Well, how do you make that something that's attractive? For me, it's the fact that part of the end of day shutdown is actually reorganizing the post-its, which makes me a nerd. But listen, I love the reorganization of the post-its, <laughs> the reset of a to-do list that feels really clear and nice. Like find a way. And I do a lot of that in a fun, funky little journal that I like getting into, right? Mm -hmm. And so that sounds crazy, but I just said earlier, like a key part of really good career success is often doing what you said you're going to do and being consistent and getting things done. Well, one of the best ways to do that is to develop a habit of just staying organized and working off the clean desk and saying, yes, I did what I was supposed to do today. So make that an attractive, fun habit for you in some way, shape or form, as opposed to the, oh man, now I got to clear my desk and figure out where to do this, right? Just go for it in a fun way. Yeah, and it is. It's the little things. It's the it's the tiny wins. We've talked about that before in talking about habits. You have to have the short, the you know, the smaller wins. Um, I guess we were talking about that in change management. But those those quick wins are so important. And for me, you talked about your pretty journal. I have a pretty basic journal, but one that I love because I like to write things. But I got to a point where the turning of the page is just a thing for me. I like to turn the page and the way I lay out my weekly lists and my meeting notes and everything else and then start each day on a new page is a signal for my brain, but it feels good. It's attractive. It's clean. And again, it's figuring out what are those things for you that, that become the, the motivation and the attractive quality that pulls you back time and again. So really good. So we have law one, make it obvious. Law two, make it attractive. Law three, and this one's just where like ding, 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 ding. Let all the fun sounds come in here. Make it easy. Mm -hmm. Duh, like this should not be hard, <laughs> right? But thank you, James Clear, because I needed you to tell me that. He specifically talks in this about a two minute rule. If you're trying to build a habit that is so long and drawn out and complex and difficult, get serious. <laughs> So two minute rule, can you get whatever this habit calls for done in two minutes or not? And can you see a benefit from a one-time action that you go get after? I mean, just blow my mind right here, even mm -hmm. though it was so simply said. Clear yeah. made it clear. Sorry, I had to do it again. No, he did. And again, we keep, you know, he does a really good job. Look at the inverse. And for the other stuff, make it difficult. Increase the number of steps to do the things that you're trying not to do. Um, it, it really is that simple sometimes to move things out of the way. One of the other books that I've pointed listeners to the last couple of weeks is the 5 a.m. Club, right? About Which mm -hmm. is a book that really gets into making good use of your morning to set the tone for everything you do. And um, what part of what that book made me think about is just that whole concept of the get up and go. And that author even gets you into how do you get yourself to the point where you don't even really need the alarm because it's so much a part of who and what you are. But for me, I'll be the first to admit, I struggled in the past with just that concept of snooze, which is not good because it means your day is automatically starting poor and off track, right? And there are little things even there, right? It's the, instead of having the alarm on the phone that's literally right beside your bed, put your alarm clock in your bathroom. So you have to get up and take a walk, you know, put a post-it there that says, just keep swimming, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever it takes, <laughs> do the little things that make it really easy um, or have a deterrent for bad things. The bad thing here was snoozing. 
put myself in a position where I'm already up. My feet have hit the ground. I'm a little bit cold. I've already looked in the mirror and realized, oh, Lord, we got some work to do, right? Like these things have already occurred to me before I can even get to a snooze button. I think those are really important things to do. So I love this part. Law number three, if you grab this book and you know you're only going to have time for a little bit of what James Clear has to offer, this is actually one of the places I would direct you to very quickly. Law number three for building good habits. How do I make it easy and really spend time understanding both his two-minute rule as well as the action benefits of dealing with a one-time issue? And then, so Jen, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, and I was just going to say, and the thing is, these really do start to blend so easily into each other, right? That idea of attractive and easy. And then ultimately where we're going is number four, which is make it satisfying. Like there's a clear connection here. I mean, you, you can start to even have trouble differentiating them. It's just how are we setting ourselves up to win? And one of the other really good points he makes throughout is that it's not the disciplined person that ultimately wins the habit contest. It's the person who takes away the biggest number of stumbling blocks and consistently sets themselves up to win. Excellent. And I'm glad you pulled that out. So Jen, um, in this run through of the book, there's one more thing I want to hit before we come to our break. And it is the concept of the Goldilocks rule yeah. that James Clear draws out in his book. And this is one of the other just huge ones for me. There's a chart for this one, y'all. It's good. Yeah, there is. I love charts. It's a chart. It's actually a graph. It's it beautiful. Graph, yes. You know, there's intersection points. Go buy the book. We haven't said that yet. We should say that. Do not just listen to this podcast and say, I got the high points. You need to get the book. And when yeah. you get your physical copy, you're going to turn to page 232 and see the pretty, pretty Goldilocks rule graph. It's amazing. I'm not even going to post on Instagram. I want you to buy the book, folks. But the point of this so important Goldilocks rule principle is that there's a zone where habits are really important and need to live. And that zone um, sits right at the edge of what is beyond your current abilities. So let me try to say that again. To really stay motivated, to be in the zone with your habits, you need to be right at the edge of your current abilities. Why the Goldilocks rule? It shouldn't be too easy and it shouldn't be too hard. You need it to be just right. This one, I picked up even more on the reread I did as I was preparing to record this episode because I had a year where I made some decent progress on some items. I have a lot more work to do in other places. And it made me realize that as part of the ongoing refinement of my growth and my habits, I need to challenge myself more in some of them. Some things have become so rote that they're no longer effective or I'm going to get um, or I'm going to get complacent with them and I need to be very very aware with that so I love this Goldilocks rule and really think it's important that you think about placing yourself right there on the edge of what your current capabilities are so that habit pushes you just that little bit to be better or be different or be more yeah, and that's what the example that Clear uses is playing tennis. And he says, you know, if you were to go out and play tennis with a four-year-old, you'd quickly get bored because you're not going to get a lot of returns from a four-year-old. You could go out and play tennis with Roger Federer, which would immediately be pretty exciting because you're playing tennis with Roger Federer. But pretty quickly, you'd realize you can't stay on the court with Roger Federer and you're also going to give up. And so finding someone who's just a little bit better than you that's going to push you to try and yet you're going to see yourself making progress is where you start 
to grow. And I thought that was just a very obvious example that then started to bring mine into focus. But then the only thing I'd add to this, and I was so grateful that he added this because the Goldilocks thing was really eye-opening, is he said that ultimately if you're going to stay in that sweet spot, to some extent you're also going to have to fall in love with boredom. It's not mm-hmm. always going to be um, exhilarating, right? Like that first time you get a point off the person you were struggling to play, it's exhilarating and that's going to motivate you. But over time, if you want to be a great tennis player, you're going to have to choose to get up every day and play tennis. You're going to have to choose to go for that run, even when the temperature is not right, because it's just what you do um, day in and day out. And that's what we talk about with habits is when they become these subconscious realities. But you're going to build it in that sweet spot of motivation. I really like the way to think about that. I think this is one I struggle with, so I'll be honest. Like, I read that. I think he makes an excellent point. He justifies it well. The examples are solid. But I still will admit that I struggle with it a little bit. Like, that whole concept of spice it up to keep going is often where I go. And I think this is an area where I need to do some work. I need to figure out how to fall in love with boredom in the right kind of way. But I think that goes very nicely hand in hand and is a great way to look at this. So, Jen... Good discussion. Um, We're going to come back to this a little bit more in our next segment, but I think what we just did was a record speed, but really good solid (laughs) um, hit of what James Clear has to say in Atomic Habits. Before we go to a break, I just do want to remind listeners first, by the book, um, what we've done here in 30 minutes doesn't even begin to do justify with what's contained in these pages. Mm -hmm. And I would also encourage you, um, James Clear has a lot of really good resources posted for free and even some paid opportunities to join like a habit forming club or group, um, et cetera. There are a lot of really good things out there. So if you liked the book and haven't looked at the auxiliary stuff that's online at jamesclear.com, go check it out and take time to read this book for yourself. Don't just take it for what we had. And we'd love to hear from all of you. What major takeaway did you have from Atomic Habits that maybe Jen and I didn't talk about today? So a little bit more when we come back after Memory Lane Moment. Well, Laura, it is a new year and our first stroll down memory lane back into years before. And I want to go back to some of our reading memories as kids because we definitely had parents that stoked our love of reading. And you could even argue helped us make it a habit that's a lifelong habit of reading and learning and growing. But I thought it'd be fun if we could just talk about some of our memories as kids. And I shared earlier that one of my all-time favorite books is Fall of Giants by Ken Follett. But if I go back in time, there was an awfully big pile of Bernstein Bear books that lived beside my bed for years and years and years and years and years. I'm feeling like I saw them beside your bed recently as well. (laughs) Well, that's the beauty of kids is you get to relive um, all of those favorite book memories all over again. Absolutely. So it's so funny. Bernstein Bears is the first thing I think of when I think about you reading as a kid. The first series that I think about is from a little bit later, the Babysitter's Club books by Ann M. Martin. The original ones, not the current graphic novels and the reprints, not that they aren't great, but the original publication of the Babysitter's Club books, such a formative part of my childhood in particular. Um, Particularly what my memory about that will take us to a bricks and mortar bookstore. I can remember because this was in the days where they were new and you were waiting for the next one to come out all the time. 
and mom or dad or whomever um, combination with our Aunt Judy, our mom's twin or something, you know, we would go to Walden Books. If anyone remembers those stores, it was in the mall. Oh, we would go to Walden Books. books I can picture the gray walls now. <laughs> can you picture it? Yes. I mean, you can picture it. I can picture where Babysitter's Club books were shelved. And we'd go back and double check that we had them all. So on some level, mom must have known when they were coming out, right? But going to Walden Books to get the new Babysitter's Club book was so big. So he's, these are fun reading memories. I have one more that plays right into the conversation we've been having a few weeks about habits. So the other thing we always did was participate in our library's summer reading program. And I have a particular memory that plays right into the habit loop. And it was one where I can't remember what summer, single summer it was, or if this was a recurring theme, but one summer, what you did was for every book you read, you got like a construction paper ice cream scoop that you put the title of the book on to build your ice cream tower on your cone. And this is just so wild, right? Because it was easy. It was satisfying to get a scoop. There was a reward because after so many scoops, you actually got the physical ice cream. Yep. All the things were there to form a beautiful habit. Our library and our mom were so stinking smart to get us on that now that I look back at it. They were. She was way ahead of her time. And it made sense too because I remember we were living at the time at a place where we could walk both to the ice cream store and to the library. And so we would earn our scoops during the week which was extra smart because just cutting out the scoop in the construction paper colors was fun for us so there was the immediate reward but then ultimately at the end of the week going to the library turning in your old books picking out new books and then walking over to get your ice cream that you had earned from the previous week our our mom was way ahead of her time with cues and cravings and responses <laughs> so absolutely and i can't close down this memory lane moment without also making sure that we reference book it the old pizza hut program yes! where you get your stickers and earn your, your pizza personal pan pizza that was such a big deal that was such a big deal and if you got the whole thing too you also got to do the tour in the back of pizza hut and they'd show you the super big thing where they needed all the dough wow okay so many memories thank you for joining us on memory lane today All right, Laura. Well, this was well-timed, and I have appreciated having this habits conversation as we finished out 2020 and now as we're walking into 2021. And I really love that we did use a lot from Atomic Habits because I think he reframed a lot of the things that we think about with habits in terms of, oh, you mean it's painful and I got to learn to be someone totally different from who I am and all of those things that stand in our way. But really quickly, as we finish this out, let's go back and review some of the things we've talked about in the last few weeks. Laura, we started with the idea that habits are critical um, and, and just take us back there really quickly. Top things that make them important. Why does it matter? So reminder to our, read our readers, our listeners, oh Lord, I'm losing it. <laughs> Habits are critical because they reduce stress and our decision-making time. So I think this is a huge one. If you're still have listened to all of this today and you're thinking, why habits? It reduces stress. Hands in the air. Oh, yeah. And that's really all you need, right? <laughs> nope. All I need. I'm done. Thank you for shopping. Um, I think the other thing, too, is it does instill healthy, productive activity. 
into your life. And that's just a, such an important thing. Habits are critical. They reduce our stress. They help us with our decision-making. They get us into healthy, whole activity. Yep, Let's they, keep going. They move things to the subconscious level that just really allow us to, to move and even have some breathing room. And then the next thing we talked about was that our habits have to have context. And this is actually, again, something we didn't talk about in our review, but James Clear brings it up in Atomic Habits. The whole idea that you have to give a time and a location and specificity to any of your habits if you want them to last. And I particularly loved his sense of one room, one use and not confusing just even that basic sense of when I'm here, I do this. I think that's very true. We've talked about that in multiple contexts over the course of this thing, um, of this series, right? A lot of people that are building on their prayer life, there's one room, one place where they go work on that. Um, when I'm working on this podcast, there is one place where I go work on the podcast. When I want to go to bed at night, there's one place where I lay down to sleep. Mm -hmm. The context builds really strong habits and is so important for what we do. And it helps get us towards that meaningful reward or outcome we want. I'll take that to the sleep, right? I sleep in the one place. It is the very nice well-picked bed in my bedroom. I don't sleep on the couch because then I'm going to wake up not having gotten good sleep, my back sore, whatever the case may be. It didn't make it worthwhile. I'm going to sleep comfortably and well in the same place all the time. Love it. Give your habits good context. Yes. And for me, I'll give a, a piece because we're going to talk about accountability in our real talk as we finish this out too. Um, last year, my side hustle was supposed to be writing. We talked about where our side hustles went last year. It is back on the table for me this year. And I have already in the first two days of the new year cleared out a specific space that's going to be my writing space, just building that mentality into where I'll be. So all right, now the other thing that we've talked about in that I want to review quickly is the fact that while habits do become automatic, we still have to regularly review and refine. This is back to the homework we had a few weeks ago where there's some things that if you just let it go too much and you don't look over it, it can become a negative thing. There are some habits that started as a good habit that we need to stop. And so that process of regularly reviewing and refining is so important. Yes, absolutely. Very, very, very important to do. Um, and again, I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm just going to bait you into Atomic Habits. He gives a really good process in there, a very simple one for how to scorecard your, your habits and think through that. And we did that with you all in homework last week. And real talk in just a minute, we're going to check in on your homework. So really important. The other thing too, let's just say it again and again and again, when it's really critical, accountability, accountability, accountability. Who's the person that's helping make sure that you're doing the thing you're supposed to do? The person in your house, the person in your social circle, um, the person at work, who is holding you accountable and helping watch you make sure you build these habits? Because that in and of itself is a reward or a deterrent to know that somebody else knows and is building an opinion of you, good or bad, based on what you do. Because let's just be honest, we all care what other people think about us. So draw that into your habit building process. Perfect. Okay. So, and then finally, let's just finish Laura with the last, you know, key takeaways from Atomic Habits. What are they? So I think first, the process is never, 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 never done. Um, that comes up multiple times. But the fact that you always have habits to break, you always have habits to build, just like we talked about a minute ago with Start, Stop, 
pause, right? The mm-hmm. process is never done. Keep reviewing it. You're not going to finally, you're, there will not be a day where you go, I have built all of the perfect habits and I may now put my life on autopilot. Not going to happen, but it doesn't mean it won't get easier over time. That's a great thing to understand. Yeah. And again, that's an area where I think he really drew out where goals can sometimes work against us when you're always, when you're always focusing on a finish line and then it keeps moving on you that can really be demotivating. And so I, I know I talked about falling in love with boredom, but I think another piece that comes out is you really have to start to love the process. Be in it for the process and not just where you're trying to get at the end of the day. And then obviously a, the key takeaway we talked about was that Goldilocks rule. It is game changing. Really can't underestimate the fact that you find that sweet spot of where is it you feel like you can truly grow, but you're being consistently challenged. Next, systems, not goals. We already talked about that a lot, but just a reminder to walk away with. How are you building systems to get you towards your goals as opposed to putting out the big, hairy, audacious goal that's unreachable or very difficult to reach without that underlying system? It is game-changing to think about it that way. I think we just said game-changing six times, but what are you going to do? That's how good this book is, folks. Go buy it. You should really understand that Laura wants you to buy this book at this point in the episode. I feel like this is also the point that we should tell everybody we are not being in any way financially compensated for your purchase of this book. However, if James Clear would like to sponsor our podcast, we can talk. But, but no, it's really that good and it's that helpful. And if things help us, we just want to pass them on as things that can help you and the last key takeaway from this book atomic habits that we talked about is tying your habits to your desired identity it's less about asking the question of what do i need to do and more about asking the question who do i want to be and what are the incremental changes that can help move me to that desired identity and space And I think to capstone that is the final quote that I want to offer directly from James' work. And it is this, professionals are the architects of their habits. Amateurs are the victims of their habits. And I think it would be fair to say that we are all eager to be a professional, not an amateur in what we do. Yes, I love it. Okay, so go read the book. Thanks for joining our book discussion. And we'll be back in just a minute with some real talk. We're back again for some real talk. And today I want to get real about completing your homework because it's very important to me (laughs) that everybody checks the box. So earlier in our habits series, we gave all of you some homework and we want to bring that home after today's episode where you got the insights from Atomic Habits. So a few weeks ago, Jen and I asked you all to take a next step in homework, which was to pick a time and sit down and list the habits that are in your life. And then once you'd made that list, to identify the opportunity to stop a habit, to pause a habit, or to continue a habit so that you can make some intentional choices about how habits are running your life. And I think having just gone through this discussion about James Clear's book, you can see even more why this is important. So today's Real Talk is a reminder. Go do that homework. It's invaluable to do a current state assessment on where you are with your habits. And then I'm going to add two more things to that homework right now because what's better than checking a box? Creating more boxes to go check, right? Put the reward out there. Jen is so ready to just smack me, but this is what it is, listeners. So two things, 
Go figure out where you need an accountability partner and do it. If you're struggling with accountability and you need some more maybe professional help, and I don't mean that in a get a therapist way, I mean that in someone who is committed to you in a professional tough love situation, Jen and I are here and happy to help if you need somebody to help you with accountability, but go and get an accountability partner to help you where you're struggling with the breaking or building of habits. And then the other part is take time to think about a new habit that would help you in your 1% rule to draw on what James Clear read or said, you know, what is that new habit that you can be building that choosing that one thing every day helps work you in a trajectory to be who you want to be 10 years from now. Let's identify it and build a system to get it underway today. And here's real talk, Laura. What I love about all of this is this can all happen independent of circumstances. These are things that we just came through a year where we got thrown every curveball imaginable. And it's really easy to get thrown off and have to reorient. And those things are important. But what we're talking about with these incremental habits are the kinds of things that don't get derailed by those circumstances. And so it is something to grab onto, especially when life is a little bit or a lot bit haywire. And that's just some real talk from me because I definitely struggled coming into the new year with how to make goals and how to do things differently and what did last year mean. And I think there's really something to this idea of let's start with the small things, the incremental things, the easy and the attractive, but let's make steps forward. Thank you so much for joining us for this first episode of 2021. We look forward to so much more learning and growing with you this year. We'd love for you to share it with some friends. Talk to us on Instagram, Facebook. Tell us what you're learning. Give us your takeaways. But we hope this episode has made you laugh, made you think, and helped you grow in your industrious life.